You are listening to the Balmetto State Podcast, where we have conversations about all things basketball with a South Carolina flavor. Let's get started and tip off this episode with your host, the head basketball coach at Westwood High School, John Combs. Welcome to the Balmetto State Podcast. Usually when we have a guest on the show, we talk about their career and thoughts about the game of basketball. On this episode, we're doing something a little bit different. We have AC Floor head boys basketball coach and SCBCA board member Josh Daly on to discuss some of the racial issues we are facing in our society today. Coach Daly gives us his authentic thoughts and feelings on racial issues in our society and shares some of his own personal experiences. I love doing this podcast because I get a chance to share with others interviews with some of the great people I had the privilege to talk with. But part of it is also selfishly a chance for me to learn and grow from others. During this interview, there were some topics that were not easy for me to talk about. I am one of those coaches that says to truly get better, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. If there's anything that is said here on the show you disagree with or you'd like to add to it for me to consider, please let me know. I would love to invite you to connect with us on social media at Balmetto State or send us an email at balmettostate at gmail.com. Your feedback is encouraged and very much appreciated. Now let's get to it. Coach Staley, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you having me on and I'm looking forward to a great podcast and hopefully we can, you know, hopefully we can enlighten someone else or just simply enjoy each other's conversation. But um, all is well, man, as well as it can be with these, with these, very different times we're in right now. Yeah, different times that that have going on is uh, probably one of the great understatements we've had of the of the summer. Um, you know, this uh, I would say in about June, June late May, th- there seems to be things seem to be a little bit different with a lot of uh, racial um, uneasiness, unrest. You know, in the term. Black Lives Matter seem to have taken on a, a greater significance of importance for probably everybody in our world. How, how would you define the Black Lives Matter movement? Um, to me, it's more of like to stay away from the political aspect of it, because, you know, I try my best not to get involved in politics. I focus on trying to do what's right for people and what's right by people and keep it moving and, and leave agendas, even my own personal agenda out of the decisions I make when interacting with people. But just from doing what's right by people, black lives matter. just simply means to me, you know, giving everyone the opportunity to have the basic social and racial and um, equal justice rights as everyone else in America, you know, things that, you know, just natural natural human rights, um, um, mentally and physically, that everyone has um, in this in this great great country we live in, without even thought. You know, it should be taken for granted. It should be assumed that you know we have the same rights as everyone else, and that's what this movement is based on. You know, awakening people and getting people to understand that you know, as a black man in America, as a as a black American citizen, I want to have the same rights as everyone else. And that's what people are standing up for and fighting for right now. What do you say to those people that, that come back and say, well, well, don't all lives matter? And you know, what's crazy. I always try not to respond in anger. You know, even when all of the things were going on with George Floyd and 
Breonna Taylor and all of the other victims of police brutality. You know, when people say that to me, I, I agree with them 100% and I accept where they're coming from. Even when they're coming from a condescending place or coming from a place of of, of dissonance or, or trying to be divisive of, of moving forward, I agree. You're right. All lives do matter. But in order for that statement to really hold hold water, in order for that statement to really hold weight, um, Black people in America have to have the same social and um, justice rights as everyone else. You know, I know a lot. Of, and, and it's crazy, though, John, because and I'm not trying to go too far ahead of the question, but it's really tough because going through this pandemic, you know, it's, it's, it's not just forced. But it's allowed us to stay still. You know, and by staying still, I've been able to spend a lot of time with my wife, my sons. I've got closer with my family. And um, it, it really made you bring things into perspective. And including this racial and social movement that we're going through in America, I do think this movement is a little different. This, this one carries weight, and I don't think it's going anywhere. And I do think it's going to propel us to a better place in this country that we live in. But it's allowed me to like stay still and think. And it brought me to two perspectives. The first perspective is, I think it's ludicrous as a man in America that I have to even have a conversation with someone else about them accepting me and giving me the same rights that they have. You know, that's crazy. So that almost made me angry. But in the same breath, I'm like, okay, that, 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 that's just, that makes no sense to me. And then it brought me to my next perspective. If that makes no sense to me to even have to ask someone to accept me or give me the same rights that they have, it also makes no sense to me to go back and forth with someone that does not want that change. If you don't want that change, if you want to keep things the way they are, if you don't want black people, white people, Asian people, Hispanic people, um, all of this big melting pot that we have here in America, if you don't want all of those people to have the same rights that, you know, the, the natural human rights that they deserve, I don't want to deal with you. I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince you to do the right thing by people. So those two things came to me because I was really able to think about it because what's the purpose of me arguing with you? I would rather work with people like you who have a progressive mindset, work with people like I associate myself with who have a move forward agenda and get work done instead of just going back and forth. So I just, I just came up with a solution mindset and really did not put any more energy trying to convince people to give me rights when if they if I felt they didn't want me to have those rights. So I just I just put my energy in and and move forward. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that I've heard Coach George Raveling say when he entered in discussions with people, he tried to try to understand was he entering into a debate with the person or was he entering into a a true discussion where there's an exchange of knowledge and trying to have understanding. He seemed very similar to you that he, he wasn't interested in getting to a debate with someone when it comes about uh, right and wrong uh, about this particular issue. So that, that not at all. No. And you know, the one thing I, I will fully admit before this pandemic, I know the, the black lives matter movement has been around for a lot longer than when things happened with uh, George Floyd. I will fully admit the first time I probably heard that term 
is I, my, I said, well, all lives matter. Now, this pandemic, as awful as it's been, as you just stated earlier, has allowed me to slow down. I didn't have sports to watch. I didn't have many other different things to do. It caused me to look at this from a, try to understand it better from a lot of different perspectives. You know, social media has been great in trying to help inform me on some things. You know, to me, the Black Lives Matter is um, is not saying anybody is better than anyone else. Um, but you know, someone also tried to explain it to online that just because someone wears a pink um, breast cancer T-shirt does not mean that they're saying the only cancer that matters is breast cancer. It's just in support of that one particular cause. And that's, you know, the way I understand it and the way I'm taking the black lives matter movement is that's all that is, that it is trying to support um, that particular movement. It's not saying it's better than anyone else. Right. And, And see, that's what it is, but that's why I go back to what I said. I don't even, like like Jada Pickett Smith said, I don't get in entanglements with people who don't want progression. Like if you want to sit there and argue and say all lives matter, guess what? You got the right to feel that way. So we're gonna move forward. And I'm not saying that, that black lives are more important than any other lives, but we're at a point if you know the history of this country and you know um from whence we've come and where we still need to go, you understand where that's coming from. And what I'm, what I tell people, man, and, and and people that would talk to me and understand where I'm coming from, we're not asking for a crutch or aid. We don't need those things. We're not asking for that. What we're asking for is just the same starting blocks as everyone else. And 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 yes, they're going to be trip ups. They're going to be um, hurdles and things we got to go through. But don't make my trip ups and hurdles any different from my white brothers and sisters, my Asian brothers and sisters, or anybody else because I'm black. And I like the point that someone made about the pink breast cancer wearing the shirts. That doesn't mean that lung cancer isn't important. This is what I'm supporting, but in the same breath, if you want me to um, come be understanding and support of lung cancer, I will come over there and support and fight with you for that also. And that's all that we're asking for. And I'm not, that's why, like I said, that's why, you know, I took this pandemic and used it for a positive, for a positive response for myself. Um, and, you know, and God bless everyone that was affected by it and definitely the, the lives that were lost. I've, I've lost family members from it. So it's nothing that I took lightly. Like I said, it really forced me and gave me the opportunity for about really like two and a half months straight to just stay still, maybe even three months to just stay still and do absolutely nothing. And it really, it really brought things into perspective for me. So you're right. They're right. All lives do matter, but all lives can't matter until we value each and every one life. And, you know, and it's a struggle because sometimes in America, we do have the, because of the comfort that we might have in America, it is a, well, if it's not me, I'm not worried about it mindset. Or we tend to be spoiled because we can get everything we want. And if something doesn't go our way, if someone doesn't agree with us, we want to kind of like go against it. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not like that. It's not that the black, I don't feel the Black Lives Matter movement wants to take any rights or opportunities from everyone else. We just want to get the same start. We want to have the same starting block as, as everyone else in America. And that's it because we don't need handouts. We just need the same opportunities 
that, that everyone else gets. And that's it. What would you say to those people who, and particularly white people that sit there and say, well, I know I'm not racist. So this is not, this is not my issue. What, what do you say to people like that? Well, you know, it's, it's one, I'm glad they aren't, aren't racist that they consider themselves not racist. And then two, you're right. If it's not your issue, if it's not your issue, you, by God, no one can force it to be your issue. If you feel it's not your fight, but it's, it's I'm going to tell you why it's tricky, right? Because, Racism can't be grabbed. It can't be documented. And you can't physically see it because you feel it. And when you, and when people, it's easy to, to deny how someone feels because you can easily say, oh, I don't, I don't feel that way about you. I'm not really like that. So we have to go off of people's actions. So for you to say, okay, I'm not racist, so it's not my issue, well, I need you to go a little deeper and have some empathy for your brothers and sisters, even the ones that don't look like you, especially my God-fearing people, people, people that, that, that claim to be God-fearing. I need you to have a little bit more empathy and actually care enough to at least understand where they're coming from. Because when you accept that there's racism, you start to understand where people are coming from. And then when you understand where they're coming from, you actually respect their perspective. And then at the respect, you begin to care. And before you know it, if you can learn how to care, you eventually learn how to love. So I don't think it's a good idea for progression for people to be like, well, it's not my issue. I have nothing to do with it. Because life has a funny way of bringing things into full um, perspective and, and, and rounding the wagon and all of those other sayings that our grandparents and, and our elders used to say and, and letting you know, okay, you think this issue has nothing to do with you, but here you go. Now it's in your face. And, and so I would, I would just advise them to have a little bit more empathy. And, and, and if you are bold enough to say, I'm not a racist, be bold enough to hold your friends and associates accountable that you know have that, that are racist or have racist tendencies, hold them accountable. You'd be like, yo, that's not right. I'm not a racist. So I can't roll with you if that's how you feel. Because, hey, if you can't say you're not a racist, then you associate and and and, uh, and and might not verbally agree, but your actions agree with people that are racist because you hang out with and you accept their tone and the, and, and the way they treat people because of their race. So it's tough, John, though, because like I said, it's more of a feel thing. And that's why I just made up my mind not to focus on people that, that have those, those negative mindsets. What would you say to those people that maybe don't want to talk about race because they're uncomfortable? They don't want to offend you. They don't want to, they're worried about saying the wrong thing, using the wrong term. So as a result, we just don't say anything. What would you say? to people? Well, I would let them know. Um, first I would, I would, let them know thank you for at least having enough empathy to care about how I feel, you know, where I'm coming from. And then two, I would tell them to use their discomfort to promote growth because that's what discomfort promotes. It promotes growth. So if you would just simply go ahead and, and, and take a leap of faith and in a, in a, in a walk of faith and be like, yo, um, 
and 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 just simply and just simply say, look, man, I know I'm not comfortable talking about this, but help me, we can build a bridge. So it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay not to be sure. And and what's crazy is it's okay to have a little bit of fear to approach that person about that racial issue because you know you're not black and you're not comfortable talking about it. But fear should not conquer courage. All you got to do is just have enough courage to just simply go ahead and start the conversation. And if you don't know how to start the conversation, tell the person, look, I don't know how to start this conversation, but help me understand what you're going through. And then, boom, a bill, a bridge is built. But it's, it's, it's okay to feel those ways. Don't feel bad because you feel those ways. Just, just have the, the, the fortitude to let someone know, be close, be, have enough empathy to be like, yo, I want to, I want, what can I do to help? And then, boom, the conversation begins. One thing I'm always, as a coach and a teacher, um, that I'm concerned about is blind spots. I mean, because blind spots are things you don't know about. You don't know what's in there. What are some things that you think are blind spots for, you know, uh, white people that just don't, that just simply don't understand uh, some of the issues you face? Well, you know, um, one issue, one issue you face that, and I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back to kind of what I said is like the mental health of it all, right? Dealing with people that are looking at you like you're crazy because you're saying, I'm not going to put up with social injustice. And then someone simply says, well, there's no such thing as racism. You know, that's infuriating, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and you have to be careful with your mental health because anger and, and bitterness can drive you crazy. So you have to choose not to put your energy towards anger and bitterness as a black person in America because it will drive you crazy. It will drive you to a place where you might not be as healthy mentally as you should. Again, that's why I'm, I'm focusing my energy on positive things and staying away from anger. But just understand, I know you can't see that. That's, that's a major blind spot. Because you can't even, like, if you're on the interstate, if you do have a blind spot in your mirror, at least you can kind of look to the left, to the right, and then you see, okay, it's a car there, so I can't go over where you can look to the left and to the right and never understand some of the, the, the mental stress that a black person can be going through that's dealing with um, racial and social injustices. Like Brianna, Brianna Taylor's family, you know, they're going through something mentally that you can't see because how can you ever feel safe? How can you ever trust law enforcement again when they kill your, your, your daughter, your niece, your, your cousin, your sister? And you're supposed to be protecting them. And, and it wasn't like they followed this high-level protocol to let them know who they were. So so that that is very, very stressful within itself. And understanding how tough it is for me, a guy like me, I'm raising three black males in a country where I have to, and this is what's tough, I have to teach them that they are black males. And this is certain ways you got to act in different situations. And they might say, well, my white friends don't have to act like that. And I got to have that con- these conversations with them, you know? So just have the empathy to understand, okay, it's a little bit different. And then we can continue to work, work forward and work towards, work towards these things to get better. Cause a lot of people are like, well, slavery was so long ago. 
And the civil rights movement was so long ago, it really isn't that long ago because, you know, my great grandfather, my, 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 my great grandfather was the son of slaves, you know, and it's, and it's, it's, it's crazy. My great grandfather was, was the son of slaves. Um, my grandmother and, and, and uncles and great, great aunts and great uncles walked in the civil rights movement. They, they were, they were part, they, they fought in the civil rights movement. You know, my mother, my my uncle were 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 some of the first people integrated in in um in in schools um in the South when they moved from Philadelphia in in, in D.C. for a second, and, and it was so bad that my mom moved back to D.C. because she just couldn't take it. So yes, it, you might think in 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 a in a in my faith sense that okay, it was so long ago, but literally it was not that long ago. You know, so so it's we have so far to go. So you have to really understand, man, that you know we we can move forward, and we're going to continue to move forward. But it's it's we have a way to go. We have a way to go. That that's all really good stuff that that you said there. Very uh, appreciate you sharing that. Do, do you feel like you've ever been discriminated against by the police? Okay, I have. I have, and I've and I've, I've told the story before. Um, and believe it or not, John, at this point in my life, I say I, I say it with no anger. I've been discriminated by the police more than once. You know, before I moved to South Carolina, I lived in D.C. when we were the murder capital of the world. So, um, every little young black boy was a super predator. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like literally, literally, a name was made up for us. You know, little young black boys were were. Were, were super predators. So, so yes, of course I was. I've been held at gunpoint in the freezing cold for a crime that me and my friend know we didn't commit, and the police officer knew we didn't commit, and it was just their decision to be frustrated with the system and how things were going and take it out on us. But at this point in my life and with my walk and my faith and my walk with God, you know, I, I don't hold any bitterness and anger in my heart because I know I have to teach my sons to put themselves in situations where, yes, you know, respect your country, value your country, but you have to be independent um, in your approach as far as the things you want to do to be successful. And that's what I do. That's how I keep my sanity. Coach George Raveling spoke prominently in a podcast interview with Tim Ferriss about having a stop strategy when he, when dealing with the police. Do you have a stop strategy? You know, um, Unfortunately, I do, and that's again, that's something that even though my sons are not old enough to drive, but that's something I have to talk to them about. It was it's funny. I, I'll tell you a story. Um, one night, me and my wife um, had to pull over. I don't even think we were married yet at this point. We weren't even married yet at this point. Uh, we were coming from our parents' house in the Charlotte area on our way back to South Carolina. We had to pull over for something, and ultimately, I had to get out the car. And then we got, you know, I got right back in the car. I made a phone call um, to make sure that my mom knew everything was good with the car. I got back in the car and we left. And we got pulled over by the police because they said we were trying to steal cars out of a car dealership. And um, it was crazy because, you know, we had to remain calm and keep our hands on the dashboard and let them know, look, here's um, our license and registration. And they were like, hey, you know, do I need to check a car? And obviously we didn't have anything to hide. So I was like, sure, knock yourself out. And then they wound up letting us go. But you know, unfortunately, yeah, I have to have a stop strategy. And um, as as 
as frustrating frustrating as that is to say that, it's even more important for me to come home to my family every day and, and hug my wife and raise my son. So, yeah, I got one. Former uh, University of South Carolina assistant basketball coach Rick Callahan told me he he had, he had even has a stop strategy, and he told me this back in the late nineties. Every time he if he got pulled over, he always had his hands on his wheel on the wheel. Never wanted anybody to to to, to think to give any idea that anything else was uh, going on. And it just uh, I even heard Coach Rav, George Ravlin as he spoke in that podcast. That was a very prominent thing with him, and he said. Well, you know, very similar to what you said, that most one of the most important things was for him to stay alive that day. And it just struck me as that is a consideration in his day. Now, I've been pulled over by the police a couple of times, and I've been nervous. But frankly, I've never worried about my life. And I understand that is a, a real fear for people. Right, right, right. And it's crazy because there's nothing more empty and nerve-wracking in that feeling when you look at your rearview mirror and you make eye contact with that police officer and their hand is on the gun for a traffic stop. You know, that, that, that's a feeling I don't wish on anyone. And, and it's like you said, you got to have a stop strategy. It's crazy because, you know, you drive. You know, you're 16 years old. You're 15 years old when you first start driving. And, you know, I'm with my cousins and brothers. We're in the car and, we get put over a traffic stop and we're like, all right, everybody hand on the dashboard, you know, because there's no telling how that traffic stop is going to go. There's no telling. And his was crazy. I have um, nothing but love, respect, and appreciation for law enforcement because I need them. If something goes down, I want to be able to call 911 and expect them to come there because that's who I'm going to call. And so please believe I know all cops aren't bad, you know, um, just like I know all white people aren't racist. I think it's ludicrous to even have that mindset or have that approach. You know, you're one of my very good friends who I respect and love. And, um, you know, Michael Kurtz is one of my very good friends who I respect and love. So, you know, we're brothers for life. So I don't, I don't even have that approach. But what I do want to do is, and I'm going to say it again, let's just focus on the people that want progression. Let those people with those evil mindsets continue to stay in their holes and, because eventually it's going to, it's going to, it's going to, they're going to get smoked out, and they're not going to be able to hide. And eventually they'll come to the light. Because I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to wish. I'm going to wish the best for them. But I know, I know. You know, heck, my my big brother is a police officer. My my sister in law is a police officer. So like, I have several police officers in my family, and I want them protected. You know, David Adams, who was one of my dear friends. You know, he's a white male, and he's a resource officer at. AC Florida High School, and guess what? When I need to know something, I call either him or my brother. You know what I'm saying? I'm not thinking, oh, let me call this white cop and see what he's saying. <laughs> I'm calling my friend. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to I'm gonna really, and me and my wife talk about this a lot, and I'm no fool. Like I told you before, I know the history of this country, but I'm going to make a conscious effort to just walk in love, man. I'm going to walk in love, but I'm not going to be a fool because I know from whence we come, but in the same breath, I'm a walk in love because I think life is too short not to. And I do think you get way more um, bees with honey than you do vinegar and, and, and just go from there. Well, I think that's, that's certainly great advice. I've, I've had two of my former players actually become police officers and it's, uh, I was certainly very worried for them when the riots were going on downtown and just the overall, um, concern uh, 
that I had for them and all police officers uh, during that time. What is if, if you had any conversations with them and what they've said about how this time has been for them? It's been it's been stressful, John. Like it's been stressful, and um, at times it has been liberating because they have um, you know made made some progress and 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 made up some ground with with social issues in the community, you know, but. It's so many things that need to be worked on. I'm not, you know, a lot of people, you know, you heard the statements, oh, defund the police and things like that. Chaos is by design. I don't need law enforcement to think it's us against them because it's not. It's all of us together. Let's not give the agents of chaos authority over us, which gets back to what I said. You know, I'm not going to look for a white person to accept me um, if I feel they are racist because that gives them authority over me. So I'm not going to give you authority over me by looking for acceptance from you. I'm going to be who I am, and God bless you. And my, my family members that are police officers, like I said, my brother's a cop, and, you know, that that's one of the reasons why I probably didn't get many fights going up because he always protected me. And so I'm looking at him, and I know this dude has a great heart. You know, so when someone's like, oh, man, F the police or F-12 and all that – I know I'm like, yo, they're talking about him. And I know this dude will literally take his shirt off his back to protect you. This dude will literally jump in front of you and jump on your back to protect you if, if someone's shooting. You know, jump in front of you. So so I know, so it's been stressful. But in the same breath, it has taken a positive turn because it's created more dialogue. Like my neighbor down the street, one of my um, um son's good friends, is a white police officer. And he came and knocked on my door and he wanted to talk. And that goes back, you're right, that was the only other, it's crazy, that was the only other um, white, one of the only other white people that came to me and talked to me about it. So I don't want to forget about, um, I don't want to forget about little Gavin's dad. You know, I won't call his name because I, I mean, but he came and had a conversation with me about, you know, what can he do? And and I was really impressed that he came and talked to me because I know you asked before the show, I have a lot of white people came to me and talk about some of the issues and my answer was no. So now that makes, after all, as many white people as I know and ones I call friends, that was between you and Deputy Adams. He was the, the third one. I don't count Michael Kirsten. That's my brother. We've been doing this forever. So, you know, even before all of this stuff broke out, but me and him had that conversation. So as stressful as it has been, and I've been praying for him and wanting people to stay safe, it, the, the silver lining is they are growth. But like I said, we can't let the agents of chaos stop that growth because some people just want chaos because chaos is by design. Some people just want you bickering back and forth because they know that's not going to promote growth. But those uncomfortable conversations you, you talked about when people feel like they don't want to offend you, um, those step forwards and focusing on people with like minds, um, that's how we're going to grow. And yeah, so it's been stressful on my family, but it's also been positive. You know, we, we talk about it, we laugh about it, we cry about it, and we figure out a reason why we need to make sure we make it to tomorrow, and we just keep going. Speaking of your family, how how's your conversations, if you don't mind sharing some with your kids your, your three young men been with this? Have they asked questions about it, or have you been more proactive in talking to them about it? You know, it's crazy. Cause my son's, you know, obviously the baby, he's only two, but, you know, I got a, seventh, a rising seventh grader and a, and a rising fourth grader, and they ask a lot of questions. And the biggest thing we, me and my wife, get first want them to understand to value themselves. 
you're 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 not less because you are a black man in America and no one um don't look at anyone as worthy. So we make sure they value themselves. And then we teach them to walk in love. Because when you do those two things first, it kind it it hinders the anger and bitterness that they're going to be exposed to um from 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 some hateful people as growing up. And then you get them to understand, like I said, some of the conversations that we have had with how to conduct yourself with a police officer and and how what situations to stay away from and what type of environment you need to make sure you're in to make sure you are giving yourself a chance to live a fruitful and healthy life every single day. The decisions that you make, like what are your passions? What do you want to do when you grow up? And and, and make sure you're engaging in those activities to promote that because when you put we, that's the approach we've taken, John. Like when you put yourself in situations where you're working towards doing better and getting better, you usually stay away from nonsense. And and that's the approach we've been taking. And how to handle yourself when you're put in a situation that you might not have had any control over, and and always try to get back to your parents, let us know what's going on. So it's been some tough conversations because they always say, "Why, you know, well, why do we have to do that?" You know, and you just got to explain it to them and. Eventually, they understand, and like you said, you find a reason, even though it might create frustration, you find a reason to keep living for tomorrow. This has been obviously a crazy summer with uh, COVID-19 and just a number of different things going on. What, What do you believe is our job as basketball coaches and educators to help facilitate uh, a positive racial change? Just, Just – you know, just teach people that treat people the way you want to be treated, man. You know, I know it's as cliche as it may sound, but I do think we have to do more of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like we 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 have to do a better job of teaching people to be culturally aware. You know, treat teach the kids that that diversity is a beautiful thing and lead by example. You know, a lot of the things we say to children do have an impact on their life, a heavy impact, because the tongue is the most deadly weapon in the world. But they also look at our actions. They look at how we interact with people. They look at how we conduct ourselves. And when we show them as role models, look, this is how you act. And even when you're frustrated when things don't go your way, you tend to give them something to, to think about. And they usually lean towards that because it's, it's crazy. You might think they're not listening or they're not paying attention what they do. So as coaches and, 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 and educators, we, because as coaches, you know, we're, we're, we're supposed to be thoroughly immersed in the community. So when our actions match our words, it, it's, it's just giving them an example and it gives them a, a, a light and we got to get them to understand that, look, these are trying times, but there's a reason to live for tomorrow. There's a reason to keep fighting. And there's a reason to have empathy and love and understanding for that person that's beside you, behind you, and in front of you, and accept people for who they are. And when you accept people for who they are, everything else falls in place, and just go from there. Has all this, do you think any of this has changed you as a coach? Or will change? You know, the one tough thing about this summer is most of us have not been able to spend any significant time with our teams to get to know the guys or the girls who we coach. Do you think this will change you at all? Um, it's crazy. I don't think it changed me much. It just made me, it made my appreciation 
for what we do in, in the short time that we here go even higher. Like I really enjoy coaching. I enjoy, you know, the board meetings with you guys, the camaraderie, the friendship, being able to go get lunch or, or, or John, let's pick your brain. Let's go sit down and do some X's and O's on that because yeah, ultimately we're competitors and we, but it really made me focus on, which I already did. Yo, Whoever has the most points at the end of a 32-minute game, yeah, okay, you want to you want to be the one with the most points, but that's really, really a very, very, very that's probably the smallest piece of the puzzle. That's the smallest piece of the puzzle. Everything that was leading up to that is even more important, and and the relationships, the time spent, and and the friendships that that are created with the time that we have leading up to that very small piece of the puzzle is most important. You know, and and so it really made me really revalue the things that I already valued and weighed so heavily. And you just want to get back around, just want to get back around your kids, get back around your kids, get back around your family. Man, you know, I miss hugging people, man. I'm a hugger. You know, mostly like, oh, you sensitive, you soft. I'm a hugger, man. Can't even hug people no more. You know what I'm saying? I want to get back to hugging and 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 being uh, affectionate and showing compassion for the people you love, but. Hopefully we'll get back to that point soon. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly hopeful um, and uh, as well. Um, you know, we'll try to wrap this up here pretty soon. Is there any last thoughts that you have uh, about this discussion? Um, you know, what do you feel like? And this is maybe more in terms of South Carolina high school basketball or South Carolina athletics. Where do we need to improve with our? Uh, race relations and how we conduct things. I just think we just, as from a, just from a strictly basketball perspective, I do think we already do, you know, a pretty solid job. I think we do a really good job. I just think we need to keep moving in the direction that we're moving in, you know, from my circle and from the things I see, I see the coaches leading by example, you know, I see, I see um, diversity amongst the leadership. I see, I see diversity amongst the players, even from from high school to a travel ball perspective, you know. So I think we're in a good place. We just need to keep moving forward, keep doing what we're doing, and and like you said, value and cherish those relationships and moments. How would you encourage uh, a coach who, a white coach who may coach predominantly African-Americans, how would you encourage him to have conversations um, with his players and with his students? Um, how would you encourage that? just just do that, man? Because you got to know, like, just have those conversations, even if it's even if it's uncomfortable. You just got to do it because with the same enthusiasm and and and, and passion and intensity, you're going to tell them to play defense or execute a set. You got to have that same passion, that same enthusiasm, that same level of intensity when it comes to understanding who you're coaching. You know, it's a science and it's a and it's an art. The science is the X's and O's and all that stuff that come with the physical part, the weightlifting and all that stuff. But the art is understanding who you're coaching, understanding the walks of life they come from. And it doesn't take some deep, it doesn't take some deep theological or theor- um, philosophical conversation. It just simply, it just simply needs to be taught. It, it simply needs to be a, 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 a loving, caring conversation. How's your day? What you got going on? How many brothers and sisters you got? Who you live with? What do you like to do? You'll be surprised how many of our peers don't really talk to and make connection with their kids. 
And and if if you're a white male and you don't quite understand that the the black males that you're coaching, talk to them. Because guess what? They can't trust you enough to play for you. They will trust you enough to open up to you if they know you really care about who they are. Because kids always care about how much you care before they know, um, before they care about how much you know. And and that's where a lot of people get tied up because, you know, coaches look at their resume. Well, I played here and I did this. Man, that crowd ain't got nothing to do when it comes to coaching. It has nothing to do with coaching, just strictly reaching people, getting someone mentally to buy in what you're doing. And the quickest way you can get someone to buy in is to get them to understand that you buy into them. So when you buy into your kids, you buy into your your, your players and your community, everything else falls in place. But you just got to do it. You got to talk to your kids. You got to have those those uncomfortable conversations and everything else will fall in line. Well, Josh, this has been an outstanding conversation. I certainly appreciate your time uh, discussing this. Anything else you'd like to share? No, man, just, you know, I really appreciate you having me on. You know, you're a dear friend, man, and I can't wait to do some lunch or something once we get in the clear. And um, you know, I'm praying for everyone. Just, just keep fighting, keep living, stay prayed up, and God bless, and hope to see everyone soon. You've been listening to the Balmetto State Podcast. For our show notes and other valuable information, please visit our website at balmettostate.com. We would love to connect with you on social media and hear what you think. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by going to at Balmetto State. Thank you for investing your time with us.